Bibles to Colossians chapter 2. Praise the Lord. Did you know that we are complete in Christ? Now, I think that so much of religion has taught us that when we are born again, we're saved, that we're starting some big works program at that moment. Sort of like a open the gate and we're in, and now we've got to work really hard to be accepted by the Lord. I'm not blaming anybody for that bad doctrine, but that's what I believed anyway for years. And, uh, uh, you know, I had my own Bible. I could have read it for myself, but that seemed to be the program we got on, many of us. Thank God we got off of that program. Hallelujah. And, and now we know, we know better. Amen. I'm going to remove this. So we're going to read here what the Bible says. You know, that first song that we sang, Glory to His Name, I noticed sometimes you, you don't notice the words to these songs until you're singing them or they're up on the wall, uh, on the screen. And I noticed that uh, there's something in that song, it said something about being complete in Him, being finished in Him. And uh, I thought, wow, that's really good. So we know if you look at hymns, uh, and you can go all the way back two, three hundred years in hymnology, you know. But if you look at hymns, you can see that there were places in the church, uh, universal, the church world, where, uh, finished work was preached strong. It had to be because it's reflected in the Psalms. Amen. Talks about it all being complete in Christ, finished in Him. And, uh, I, I mentioned this song many times. Uh, it's a great one. Classic hymn of the church. How firm a foundation is Jesus Christ our Lord. Another one is, my hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and his righteousness. So, our, all of our access to God, all of our salvation, everything we have is from him. Is by standing in him. And we can't bring any of our works. In fact, we almost need to do regularly what Paul did in Philippians 3, where he said, I take all of my good things. And, and any of that for the religious order of the day would have been something somebody wanted. Amen? I'll come down there and according to see the whites of your eyes. And so we get this, we get this idea that... Um, that, you know, maybe we could, we could work our way. Maybe we could get some extra credits. Did you ever have a class at school and the teacher said, well, now you can get an A in this class, you know, just by passing the test and doing the work that's assigned. But if you want extra credit, you know, you could write an extra paper and do extra work. I think we get an idea sometimes we could get extra credit with God. But you can't get extra credit with God. Because Jesus paid it all in full. Amen. And so I love any kind of verse. And it's probably because of my upbringing that I need these verses, maybe more than others. But I love any kind of verse that assures me of God's approval in my life. Amen. That I'm accepted because I felt unaccepted. Have you ever been saved and yet felt unaccepted? Have you ever been even saved and filled with the Spirit and those things and still 
felt like you didn't quite measure up. A lot of times it's from the teaching and the preaching that's being done that makes us feel that way. Uh, I've been in so many meetings, you know, I can't even count, I can't count them. I mean, hundreds of meetings where we were explained and told what we didn't have. Well, you need that, you know, especially in charismatic land. We kind of went to, there were, everybody that got up had a new special anointing and a new special gift. And, and I've got this special gift and this special anointing. And if you don't have it, well, then uh, you, you need to come down here and let me, you know, impart it to you. So we're always looking for the next touch. We're looking for the next endowment. We're looking for the next thing to pick us up and help us to be better. And I'm, I'm not saying that I don't believe in impartation. I do. I believe that we can, you know, impart things. Paul talked about that I, going to see Timothy, remember? He said that I may impart to you some spiritual gift. So we believe in impartation. Hallelujah. We believe in, in receiving from, from one another. Yet on the other hand, none of those things has anything to do with our completed righteousness. Our righteousness could only be completed by Christ alone. Amen. That's why that other hymn is so great. In Christ alone, I put my trust. Uh, the Apostles' Creed, which, you know, our church doesn't use that too much, but uh, some of the groups do. And uh, the Apostles' Creed, the Apostles' Creed, how many have ever been in a church where they read that or recited that. The Apostles' Creed says very good things about that, believe it or not. Uh, that, uh, that, uh, that, I, that I confess faith in Christ alone. And uh, so that's our theme today. Amen? Hope, hopefully it will help you. Now, have you found Colossians 2 yet? It's in the New Testament for those still searching. Okay, that's a joke. Yeah, thanks, Marie. Okay, Colossians 2. Um, let's uh, be- begin reading. Why don't we begin reading at verse uh, 7. Well, let's back up to 6. Be careful, I'll read the whole Bible before it's over. As you have therefore received Christ, re- Jesus the Lord, so walk ye in Him. Everything's about being in Him. We keep going back to that, in Christ. Do you struggle with your healing? Do you struggle with faith? Do you struggle with, you know, peace or some other thing where you're using your faith? Do you struggle? I'll tell you how to get rid of the struggle. How many would like to just get rid of that struggle, that struggle phase? How do you get rid of it? Get over in Christ. Talk about being in Him. Don't talk about, well, I'm such a, I'm such a mess up. I'm such a screw up. I'm such a, you know, you ever gotten down on yourself? It's, be careful. It's like the preparations for a pity party. Well, we've all been there. Well, if I only had more faith, or if I only were stronger in the Lord, or this shouldn't be upsetting me, I should be farther along than this. What are you looking at? You're looking at yourself. I used to say, you know, you go to church and the pastor would say, let's think about ourselves. I'm thinking, could we have one day where we don't think about ourselves? Because that's all we do is think about ourselves. 
But uh, it would be nice to have a time where we gathered together and maybe spent 40 minutes or so or an hour thinking about somebody else. Hallelujah. Well, who's the main one we need to be thinking about? Well, Sister Ledbetter, she didn't speak to me when I came in, you know. No. Who's the main one we need to be thinking about? Jesus. Amen. Put your heart on Him, your mind on Him. How many believe Jesus is not capable of messing up? He's not, is He? He he was tempted in all points, like as we are, yet without sin. Not even the sin of doubt and unbelief did Jesus commit. Isn't that something? So, uh, if you feel like, well, my faith is weak, well, fine, His isn't. I said His isn't. And he's the author and finisher of my faith. You see how you can just build yourself up? How to get out of that? Another way to preach some of these would sermon title would be how to climb out of the pit. If you've ever gotten down in the hole, down in the pit, down in the the wallow and the hollow. <laughs> I've been there. I've been there where you didn't want to get up in the morning and uh, face the day. But praise God. Hallelujah. How do you climb out of that? Is you look up. You look at Him. And you realize my life is wrapped and hid in Christ. When we get in a personal funk and a personal crisis, it's because we've forgotten that. Well, I'm here to remind you. Praise the Lord. And uh, remind myself, I'm always, don't worry, I'm always preaching it myself. So he says, walk ye in him. Wow, that, that could be a whole seminar right there. What does it mean to walk in him? Walk in Christ. Our Wednesday night teachings are going to, you know, we're going to focus more and more on some of those things. That's why this Wednesday night, remember last week we taught on Standing on the promises. And this week we're going to teach on appropriating the promises. You, uh, it's like you could be given, you know, in government they have uh, um, a section or committee that meets called appropriations. So they have money that, that Congress has voted, you know, for them to use for certain things. But then it has to be appropriated. It has to actually be doled out to where it can be used. Well, the, the blessings and promises of God are like that. Amen. We have to appropriate them, place them into our lives. They don't just fall on you like cherries off the tree. Even though they're there, they've got your name on it. Jesus bought it. He paid for it. It's yours. Praise God. The redemptive blessings of heaven belong to you, belong to me. They've got our name on it. Amen. But you can't just know that and go, well, hope it all works. No, we, we, we need to get it out and use it. I could, we could give you a brand new car, put it in your driveway, put it in your garage, put the keys right on, just throw the keys right on the seat. You don't even need keys now. I don't know. You just look at it and it starts, you know. Uh, and, um, but, uh, you know, here's the keys, here's the title, 
Here's the insurance card, everything. It's all yours. And that car could sit in that garage and literally the tires rot off of it and it sit down on the, onto the concrete if you didn't go get in it and start it. Amen. So there is an appropriation, isn't there, that has to take place. All right, so, see, I can't get very far. I preach on three or four words. Walk ye in Him. We're going to walk in Him. Rooted and built up in your showing the Lord you mean business. Is that, is that there? Some of these terms that we've heard our whole life, nobody even knows what they mean. Just sounds good. You've got to show the Lord you mean business. What does that mean? Or you're on thin ice with the Lord. Well, what does that mean? How much, which sins and which, how long and what da, 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 does it take to be on thin ice? How do you get on thicker ice? I don't know. Be careful. You could fall and break your arm. Yeah, too far away. I don't know. What? I don't even, nobody really knows what that means. Just sounds good. Especially, it's an altar call builder is what I call them. Because if you preach enough guilt and shame, you can get people down front, you know. But uh, I'm not here to preach guilt and shame. I don't want you to feel worse than when you came in. I want you to feel better. <laughs> Praise God. We don't need, we, we got the devil in ourselves to enforce guilt and shame. And some, Aunt Myrtle maybe, you know, might remind us of something we did wrong. But praise God, we need to know who we are in Christ. So the more we talk about Jesus, the stronger our faith is going to be. The more we talk about Jesus, the more confidence we're going to have. Glory to God. How many believe we need to be strong in the Lord today? How many believe we need to know who we are? Know what we have? All right, so we're going to be rooted and built up in Him and established in the faith. Now, remember, and I've never, uh, I think I've taught on this a little bit. We're going to teach more on it. But what does it mean? You know, Paul said, let no corrupt communication come out of your mouth, but that which is uh, for the use of edifying, building up. And then he said in the, the next breath, the same the next verse, he said, Grieve not the Holy Spirit by, by which you were sealed. Those two verses are not isolated from one another. Corrupt communication does not mean, you know, necessarily profane or using four-letter words or whatever, even though that's not appropriate. And Paul does uh, address those things. But he's not talking about that there. He's talking about corruption or corrosion. Anything that would eat away at that seal of the Holy Spirit is words that are grievous to the Holy Spirit. So we know we've had this big argument. What is it that grieves the Holy Spirit? Well, some places, you know, if the baby cries, well, that grieved the Holy Spirit. There went the prophecy. Can't give it out now. Flew away, you know. Or, you know, they sang the wrong song and had a little bit of doubt and unbelief in it and there you can't have a move of God. Whatever it is, you know, the least little thing, somebody disturbed. I heard one lady got up, she had a dress code. And uh, no, she wasn't from old line Pentecostal either. She was charismatic and she had her address code on what dress code honored the anointing. 
And some people came in and they weren't dressed right. And so there went the anointing. All these things. Somebody else was chewing gum and that killed it. You know, I mean, I tell you, the Holy Spirit is the touchiest, most sensitive dude you've ever seen in your life. The least little thing. And he's mad and stomps out of the building. That's the way we got it. But uh, the Holy Spirit, that's not what it means to grieve the Holy Spirit. Grieving the Holy Spirit means any words, any teaching, any kind of uh, communication. He said corrupt communication. We'll just use the word he uses. Any communication that comes and tries to lift the seal of the Holy Spirit and say, Jesus' blood is not enough to seal it. you got to insert some other stuff in there. And it's usually the rules and regulations of your group, depending on who they are, that uh, is inserted. But thank God we know better. Amen. So instead of that, we're, we're going to be rooted and built up in Him and established in the faith and try our best to not corrode and corrupt the seal of the Holy Spirit. Folks, there's nothing wrong with having assurance of salvation. There's nothing wrong. It's not anti-Pentecostal. It's not anti-holiness you know, to say that we can have an assurance of salvation, an assurance of, 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 uh, of acceptance. In the church of God, we would have called that uh, sanctification. But let's just talk about what that means. It just means set apart from something to something. You know, that's become this big word. But it just means we're set apart from to. Really, what the main thing we're set apart from. Now, we always thought set apart from sin for purity or holiness. But the main thing we're set apart from, if you look at the first gospel meeting in the book of Acts, where Peter preached, you know, to the mass meeting after the day of Pentecost, he told the Jews, now think about it, it said, who's his, who is his crowd? His crowd are devout Jews out of every nation. That means some of, they're so dedicated and committed to be there at that feast on that day, on the day of Pentecost. Uh, you know, the, the day of Pentecost or Pentecost is not a church word. It's from the Jews. <laughs> Amen. It was their feast. And, they're, and, they're, and so here they've come to this feast. Now think about dedication. They, they had to travel sometime in ships for weeks. Maybe some of them started a month before or six weeks before to get to Jerusalem for that day, for that moment. That's what you'd call dedication, isn't it? And it says the devout Jews were the ones he's preaching to. And what did he say to them? He said, repent and be baptized in the name of Jesus for the remission of sins. Well, what are they going to repent of? Drinking, smoking, and dancing? No, because, you see, these are rules. You understand what I'm saying? We think of the word repent. We always think of, you know, some particular things. But he's not talking about that to them. They're not repenting for sin. Look at that. They're not repenting for sin, yet they need their sins removed. He said, because believe in Jesus for the remission of sin. They're not repenting of their sins. They're, they are repenting, or what does it mean to repent? Turn your back, change your mind, 
and go another direction, right? So you, 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 you turn your back, change your mind on what? What are they changing their mind? On how to get the sins removed. Does it make any sense to you? Repent of what? Repent of their way to God. Repent of trying to keep Moses' law and get credit for it all as a way to be accepted by God. That's what they're repenting of. Isn't that something? See, so every time we hear the word repent, we think, we automatically think of, you know, repent of sin. But they're actually repenting of their way to God. In other words, the works way, the legal way to God, legalist way to God, as opposed to believing on Jesus Christ. So that's why, isn't that amazing? That's why uh, Paul, uh, Peter, when he preached on the day of Pentecost, what did he preach? He preached Jesus Christ and Him crucified, raised from the dead. And they said, they said, what now? That's the gospel, right? He preaches the gospel. The Bible says in Acts two, they're cut in their hearts, pricked in their hearts. They're 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 cut in their heart. They're 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 punctured and wounded in a sense in their heart. And they said, what must we now do? They saw instantly. We're never going to get to what Peter's preaching about this way. Isn't that something? And he said, what do you need? What They said, what must we now do? He said, repent. In other words, change your mind and accept Christ and his finished work as a way to get rid of your sin and to be accepted and approved by God. Good preaching, brother pastor. So that's what we got to stay on that program. We got to stay on that. Thanks, Claire. We got to stay on that program. Amen. To believe in that. So what does that mean to be rooted and built up in him and established in the faith? Established in what kind of faith? Faith in that Jesus was enough. Jesus paid it all. Praise God. We don't have to pay anymore. If your idea of Christian faith is it's a hard old way and you got to really, you know, Jesus said the straight, I heard this verse my whole life, you know, the straight and the straight and narrow way. What does that mean? Well, we made it, you know, well, that means the way of the works. No. Why is it a narrow, narrow is the gate. Why? Because you have, it's so simple that you got to get your mind out of the way and believe it's, that it's down to a question of faith. Do we believe that Jesus really did it? Isn't that something? Do we really believe He did it? All right. That's what it means to be established in the faith. That's why it's narrow. You can't drag a bunch of stuff with you. You can't. That's what. That's that's the whole illustration of. That'd be a good time to, good thing to preach on. What, what is the straight and narrow way? Because, you know, I always thought it was a bunch of works. Found out you can't bring your stuff with you. Now see, you can't bring it with you. Cause it, why? Cause the, if the gate's narrow, how narrow is it? Well, I've been through some places where you had to kind of twist around and go sideways to get in. Is it that narrow? It might be. So, and then the illustration of the camel, you know, the eye of the needle. The eye of the needle is the small gate. And so the camel could go through 
It's not impossible. But they had to unload all the heavy burden and just shove it through. And then they could reload it. Well, let's leave ours outside. We don't need to reload. Amen. With all of our dead works and nonsense. All right. Praise God. Aren't you glad we're moving along here? Rooted. Rooted. I want to be rooted. I want to be built up. Edified. In Him. Established in the faith. As you have been taught abounding therein with thanksgiving. Oh, hallelujah. Now, here we go. Verse 8. Beware. Oh, a warning from the Scripture. Beware lest any man, not God. God's not going to do this to you. It'll be a man that'll do it to you. Beware lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit after the tradition of men after the rudiments of this world, and not after Christ. So, you know, men's traditions are not going to help you spiritually. Now, here's our main verse today. Finally got to it. Help him, Jesus. For in him, in who? In, in your denomination, in your group, in your rules? No, in him dwelleth. All the fullness of the Godhead bodily. Praise God. It's all in Christ. How much is in Christ? All. Think of these words. I want you to, I'm a word, I'm a word freak. All. How much? Something missing out of all? Majority? No, all. All means all. All the fullness. Of the Godhead bodily dwelleth in him. Well, yeah, but where does that leave me, brother? Here I wander like a beggar through the heat and through the cold, you know, weary pilgrim. No, 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 not, not, not quite. Verse 10. Ye are, say, if ye are, then I am. Say that. Yeah. Ye are complete. Now, now the word the word perfect in the New Testament means complete, nothing broken, nothing missing. Perfect doesn't mean like our idea of, you know, perfectionism, but perfect means complete, nothing broken, nothing missing. It's all there, everything you need. Glory to God. You are, not you will be someday in the sweet by and by when you get over yonder and it'll all be better. No, here, this is ye are. Are is present tense, right? Right now, right now, right now. Well, I got a lot of, I got a lot of rough edges, brother. I know, we all do, don't we? In our flesh, will we ever be perfect in this life in our flesh? No. Because we're, you know, we got our flesh and we got our feelings and our emotions and we're vulnerable to that. We're not like just wisps of spirits floating around out here somewhere in the ether, right? But we're not talking about flesh, we're talking spiritually. I believe the spirit man, strong, will affect our flesh, though, don't you? 
how to, how to be, how to be better, we'll focus on the spiritual things. Well, I mean, you could go to the self-help section of the, they used to have that only in secular bookstores. You can find it now in Christian bookstores, I think. Self-help. Self-help has nothing to do with Christianity, I'm telling you. Because self-help, do you know how, you know how ridiculous self-help is? Think about it. You, we ourselves are the problem. We have the problem. And now we, defected problem-filled person, are going to now fix ourselves. How, how ridiculous is that? We're, <laughs> faith in God is opposite self-help. Faith in God really is saying, I admit I can't do this. Again, we go back to that thing about, you know, grace preachers are accused of uh, not having enough respect for the law. And it's like, no, 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 it's the opposite. We have all respect for the law to the point that we admit, standing in front of it, I'm a failure. Because you don't get graded on a 98. It's all or nothing. And I've illustrated that before. It'd be like going to traffic court. You ran a red light. You're there in front of the judge. And how do you plead? You got to, you know, now you just pay. They don't care if you plead or not. But it used to be you had to go stand in front of the judge and they would tell, you know, did you, you ran this light. Do you admit, you know, okay, then, then pay. But they, they quit having the judge part. But let's say you went and you stood in front of the judge and he says, how do you plead about the, about the running the traffic, running the stop sign? Yes, I did it. Oh, you did? You're guilty of that? Yeah. Well, you're also guilty of extortion, murder, uh, uh, attempting to assassinate the president and whatever else, you know. And you go, no, 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 you got the wrong dude. I didn't do all that. Yeah, you did. If you miss it in one part of the law, you, you, the whole book's thrown at you. Can you imagine if the entire U.S. legal code or whatever, penal code, was thrown at you? You'd go, oh, my gosh. Well, that's the way Moses' law works for all those who want to... Pick off of it. Smorgasbord Moses' law. Which is what we all have done through our whole Christian experience. We thought, oh, we have respect for the law. Yeah, well, you need to have respect for the law because guess what? It's condemning you. <laughs> because you can't do it. And Paul said it over and over. You'll hear me say this. But Paul said, no man. In Galatians 2, he said, I think verse 17, he said, no man is justified by the works of the law. How many? None. So, that's high respect for the law. Where we go, yeah, we respect the law to the point, like if those 3,000 on the day of Pentecost, uh, Jews, devout ones, had to admit that, they said, man, we've been trying to keep this thing for centuries, and finally we see a way out of it. Because we can't do it. We're constantly failing. Why? In Hebrews, it says, once and again, every year on the National Day of Atonement, which we just had last week, I think. Once a year on Yom Kippur, National Day of Atonement, you bring the, you bring the, uh, you know, the, the sacrifice for your sin. And he said, it did not have, the blood of bulls and goats did not have the power to cleanse the conscience of the ones who were coming. Because it actually served as a reminder of the same sins every year. But 
a new sacrifice was given, Jesus Christ, to once and for all cleanse us. And the blood of Jesus not only has the power to forgive your sin and to cleanse it for God's concern, but also to cleanse your conscience. No blood, no, I'm telling you folks, all that Old Testament worship and all that, you know, sacrifice never made anybody feel any better. They just knew they weren't gonna, you know, die <laughs> and go to hell, so to speak, God's judgment. They knew that it, that it could remove the judgment as far as that concerned, but it did not have the power to cleanse their conscience. But the blood of Jesus does. It is possible in Christ to not only know that you're forgiven, but to also actually have the memory of that thing erased. Isn't that something? And you'd have to try real hard to remember, what was the last horrible thing I did? Now, you can go to... I'll tell you what, I'll I'll tell you where to go. If you want to go and feel bad at the end of the service, I, I think we could find you some places in town probably. And, uh, you know, we'll, 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 we'll transfer your membership over there. They'll help you to feel bad. But, uh, I don't know. For me, I felt, I could, I didn't need help to feel bad. I could feel bad all by myself. I wanna, if Jesus died on, I don't wanna make the, the death of Christ null and void and in vain. If, what did Paul say again? If, righteousness comes by the law, then Christ is dead in vain. I don't want to make him dead in vain. Do you? Glory to God. All right. So, abounding therein with thanksgiving. Okay. Beware, lest any man spoil you. We read that, didn't we? Okay. Now, oh, well, oh my gosh. Help me, Jesus. Okay, we're down, we're down to ten, aren't we? You are complete in him. Now you need to confess that. Here's some works for you that'll be actually produce something good. Confess that. You ought to get up every morning for just ten days and confess that and see what happens to you. I believe it'll help you. I am complete in Christ today. I am complete in Him according to this scripture, which is the head of all principality. And power. Aren't you glad? That means over all the works of the devil, any spiritual force would come against you. In whom? Who's talking about again? In whom? Who, who's that? In Christ. Also, you are circumcised with the, with, with the circumcision that counts. In other words, natural circumcision in Christ means nothing. It's not a not a religious ritual that helps you at all. But here we have a spiritual ritual in whom also you are circumcised. What was the point of circumcision in the first place? The point of it was that there's a mark. In other words, it's a it's a a scar representing um covenant. It's a covenant mark. So we have a covenant mark on our heart. Amen. That's what Paul said when he said, I bear the marks of Jesus Christ in my body. He wasn't talking about eye disease. 
He wasn't talking about being beaten in prison or some other persecution. He's talking about spiritually, I bear the marks. Guess what we all do? Once we're born again, once we've accepted Christ, we get the mark of being circumcised. In other words, the mark of covenant through Christ. Isn't that wonderful? So we have that. We're marked. We're branded. Praise the Lord. You are circumcised with the circumcision made without hands in putting off the body of the sins of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ. So the minute you preach a lot of grace and righteousness, somebody's going to pop up and go, well, what about sin, Brother Horton? What about sin? And I always say, I'm glad you brought that up. Hallelujah. Mine's been put off by the circumcision of Christ. Amen. I'm marked holy by Him. If you want to accuse me of all kinds of things, just enjoy that, if that's what you do for pastime. But uh, I think there's more fun things to do. Why don't you try water skiing? That would be more fun than accusing people. All right. Buried with Him in baptism, wherein also you are... What's that word? It's all smeared. Risen... With him through the faith of the operation of God who hath raised him from the dead. And you being, what about your sin? What about, what are you going to do about your sin, brother David? Here, I'm going to do 13. (laughs) You being dead in your sins, I'm dead in mine. Once you die in yours. Stop keeping your sin alive. Stop talking about my sin, my uh, what I'm tempted to do, and this is my weakness, and this is my area. Well, in the name of Jesus, shut up. I used to I used to sell you know cassette tapes back in the day when they when those were popular, and you know you'd preach a good message on you know faith and confession and those things and. Somebody would come up and say, well, I've tried all that and nothing works and, nothing, and I just, you know, I'm just so discouraged and they just, you know, bat, just, just Debbie Downer, you know, everything's blah, 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 blah. You got any tape that would work for me? I said, yes, I've got a special tape just for you. Oh, good. And I'd pull out a roll of duct tape, you know, and I'd say, here, just put this over your mouth and things will be better in a year. Just from you not talking. Brother, Brother Horton, do you believe in generational curses? You know, people will ask you stuff like that. I say, well, you know, I'll tell you one thing I believe in. I believe that you could curse yourself. Stop cursing yourself. God's called you blessed. Call yourself blessed. We used to sing that little chorus. If the Word says, I am righteous, then I am. If the Word says, I'm holy, then I am. If the Word says, I'm healed, then I am. If the Word says, I'm blessed, then I am. Well, I don't know. You know, it's hard. Well, okay. You want me to agree with it? It's hard. Lord, help her to help, you know, help it, help things to be hard for her. No. Dead in your sins. Everybody say, I'm dead in sin. 
I'm dead where sin is concerned. Say that. What about nobody preaching? I heard a word, word of faith. I saw like Brother Hagin on it. Word of faith, preacher. Got up on the, on television saying, nobody preaches any good messages on sin anymore. Word, word of faith saying that. And I'm thinking, Oh, we've got really good messages on sin. Here's one. We're dead in them. Here's another good message on sin. But why, if you need a message on sin. How about this one? Second Corinthians 5, 19 from the Amplified. It says that he uh, blotted them out. Praise God. Not holding, not counting up and holding against men their trespasses. But has canceled them. Amen. You want a good message on sin? There's one. Hallelujah. My sins were canceled at Calvary. Hallelujah. Paid in full. It looks like red ink, but it's the blood of Christ stamped on there. Praise the Lord. All right. I need new glasses or something. I lost the entire page. Help me, Jesus. You being dead in your sins and the uncircumcision of your flesh, hath he quickened or made alive together with him, having, past tense, forgiven, past tense, you all (laughs) trespasses. How many of them? Yeah, there you go. All of them. We need a good message on sin. Well, there's a good one. All trespasses and sins being forgiven. How about that? Glory to God. I'll take that. I'll take that. Do you want to wallow in yours? Go ahead. You want some of mine to help the wallowing? Make it mushier to wallow in? Blotting out. Glory to God. These are, this is some of the most powerful words you could hear. Blotting out the handwriting of ordinances that was against us, which was contrary to us. It's not, it's against us. It's not contrary. And took it out of the way, nailing it to the cross. You need to nail your stuff to the cross. Quit wallowing in it. Drag it up there and nail it up there. Having spoiled, he ruined them, principalities and powers. He made a show of them openly, triumphing over them in it. Now, let's just read real quick down through here and we'll be done. Let no man, therefore, judge you. Wow. Brother Horton, you better be careful reading these. Okay, I'll read them carefully. Let no man, therefore, judge you in meat or in drink or in respect of an holy day or the new moon or the Sabbath days, which are a shadow of things to come, but the body of it is Christ. Let no man beguile you of your reward in a voluntary humility and worshiping of angels, intruding into those things which he hath not seen, vainly puffed up by his Fleshly mind. Notice those two words, fleshly mind. 
Who knew that Archie Bunker was a prophet? And he called his son-in-law Meathead. That's what a fleshy mind is, Meathead. Amen. And not, don't be a meathead. That'd make a good message. Don't be a meathead. Have Archie Bunker on the cover. Not holding the head. Capital H, Jesus. Hold on to the head, folks. From which all the body by joints and bands having nourishment ministered and knit together increaseth with the increase of God. In other words, there's a strength there. Wherefore, if you be dead with Christ from the rudiments of this world, why, as though living in the world, are you subject to ordinances? Touch not, taste not, handle not, which all are to perish with the using after the commandments. doesn't say after the commandments and doctrines of God. It says of men. People make up stuff. Somebody will have a conviction and decide it should be a rule for everybody. Well, you know, your conviction's your conviction. I'm not going to judge your conviction, you know, one way or another. But you don't have to make it a rule for the entire church. Right? Amen. Praise the Lord. Listen, some of us here have lived through all this, so don't try it again. Amen. We are experts at deflecting ordinances. Praise God. My, my, I won't even tell that. That's just not even funny. All right. I could tell you stories. We could all stand here and tell stories of this. And the thing is, none of that, he's gonna, he's gonna say what it, what it does. But none of that, you know, making rules and making every, and enforcing them, none of that grows anyone spiritually. It never helped your faith. It doesn't do anything. It doesn't get you credit with God. It might, it'll get you credit with the, who, whoever made the rules. That's who gets you credit with. All right. Which things have indeed a show of wisdom and will worship and humility, and neglecting of the body, yeah, it'll do that, but not in any honor to the satisfying of the flesh. And I, I believe it's either, it's, I, I should have, you know, printed it out, but it's either the Message Bible or the Amplified says that those things do nothing to controlling the desires of the lower nature or the base base things, it says, in fact, it it uh, it uh, it builds them stronger. I think it's the Amplified says that. Right. So you don't honor God in that. It's not honoring God. So usually, again, we a lot of us that grew up in rule and regulation land, we did a lot of things just to keep peace. You know, you didn't want to offend anybody, and we still don't. Paul has a lot to say about that. Let me tell you, there's always a balance on these things. Amen? You know, Paul said that, uh, he says, I'd rather not, he said, I'd rather not drink wine or eat meat offered to idols or do any other thing that would cause someone else to stumble. And then he said this, 
So what is he saying with that? He's saying, I have a freedom to do whatever I want. However, there are two guardrails. What are the two guardrails? One is that you walk in love towards people. Amen? So you don't want to do just, just, you don't want to be just real brash. Is your freedom, is your freedom to do whatever, to wear whatever, or go to wherever you want to go, is your freedom uh, more important than someone's heart and someone's feelings? And the answer is no. Amen. So if we really walk in love, then we're, we're careful with folks, right? We don't want to offend. And then what's the other guardrail? Well, Paul said all things are lawful, but they're not profitable. Right? So, can you, could you eat until you weigh 700 pounds and they have to, to drag you out in a cart and still, still love the Lord and still die and go to heaven? Absolutely. But is that profitable? Is it profitable to, to, uh, to become morbidly obese? And the answer is no. Could you, could you go to heaven uh, chain smoking? Absolutely you can. But you just, somebody says, can you, can you smoke and be a Christian? Absolutely. Uh, will you go to hell? No, but you'll smell like you've been there. You know, that's the joke. You know. You know. Your car might. <laughs> Hallelujah. The sulfur, you know. But, uh, would you, Brother Horton, would you let somebody be a member of the Grace Harvest Church of God and you knew that they were smoking? Absolutely. That's ridiculous. If I'm going to get rid of the smokers, I've got to get rid of the donut eaters, you know. <laughs> that means get rid of the pastor on occasion. Every now and then I might just sneak one in. Now, if you catch me out back smoking, you know, you, you might have an issue. There might, there's rules for the preachers, but you know, you know what I'm saying. If, you know, and yet, yet, you know, man, we, for, for decades, you know, we had rules about everything. I read, I got out, a friend of mine wrote a book on legalism, and uh, we had a few copies around here once, so nobody bought them, so I took them home. But uh, we had a book out on legalism, and uh, if you read Church of God minutes from the 20s, you know, they discussed, should Church of God members be allowed to use chewing gum, you know, and then... Now, they were going to turn my grandmother out in the, the 30s for uh, wearing silk stockings and drinking a Coca-Cola. And they were going to have, they were brought charges against her and they were going to turn her out. And uh, my grandfather took care of that. He wasn't a member of the church. And so he went to the pastor's house and he said, I understand you're going to turn my wife out. Yeah, he says, well, I don't care much about it but the church means a lot to her and he says now you just go ahead and turn her out but that with the minute you do i'm going to be over here and then he told him all the evils that were going to come upon him and uh i think he stopped short of threatening to burn the parsonage down and miraculously the charges were dropped and never brought up it was a miracle but uh you know you know, when you grow up in that kind of thing and you, everything, some, a lot of us here know what that's like. But, uh, you know, that never encourages anybody 
That doesn't help people grow in the Lord. So why start it now? Amen? No, I tell you what, I, I don't... I know this, that we... Like I said, Paul said all things are lawful, but they're not profitable. So what's our guardrails? How do we, how do we choose our life? One, walk in love. Two, is it profitable? Does it help me? Amen. If it doesn't meet that criteria, then, you know, you just stay down the middle of the road with that thing. Amen? Praise God. So if you come to me and say, now what are the rules here? I'm going to say, well, the rules are we only worship Jesus. So if you've got anybody else on the list, you have to, you know, do that in your own private time. Number two, <laughs> we only preach from the Bible. Praise God. We don't even use Reader's Digest. Hallelujah. Or the newspaper. So uh, those are our rules. And beyond that, you use the New Testament for your guide. Glory to God. Can you say amen? amen? Hallelujah. But beyond that, you know, I believe we can get past all that discussion and just get right down to the meat of it and the heart of it. Amen. And grow in God and grow in faith and grow in spirituality. Thank you, Jesus. You know, the job of the pastor in the church is not to be the sheriff over people's lives, the deputy, and I arrest you, you know, and threaten you. But it's, 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 hey... Jesus said, uh, what did he say about the shepherds and sheep? Police my sheep. No, he said, he said, feed my sheep. Amen. What's my number one job as pastor is to feed you. Praise God. That's my number one job. So I hope you got fed something today. Amen. Glory to God. Hallelujah. So let's lift our hands and thank the Lord today. Praise him. Thank him. Thank you, Jesus. You can come straight. Thank you, thank you, Jesus, for uh, the Word. Thank you for truth. Thank you for life. Thank you that our faith is lifted up and built.